0: Well, I'm really excited this morning because, um, I mean, I get to worship with you like on Sundays, and that's exciting. But today, my friend uh, Alan Wan is coming uh, to preach and bring the word to you today. And I had the privilege of getting to know him uh, throughout uh, my time at Ozark in college. Uh, We were in the same small group, so I got to hear a lot about his heart uh, I know so much about him that I know that he is going to do an amazing job today, that he did his homework reading the scripture and just bringing something straight from the word of God. Uh, if you're wondering, when he gets up here, he's from China. Uh, he made a lot of jokes. Uh, he has really good jokes about China, so you can ask him later. Uh, but he's an amazing person. He works at Good News Production. So if you have a little bit of time afterwards, you can uh, go say hi, check out what they're doing. Uh, they're an amazing Uh, organization that helps missionaries around the world and brings the word uh, to people in a lot of creative ways like video and arts and stuff like that so I am really excited so would you please uh, welcome my friend Alan Wan?
1: thank you everybody thank you well good morning can you hear me good morning good morning well, it's so good to be with you all this morning. Uh, as Jose mentioned, that my name is Alan Wan. I'm from China. Uh, like most of the products that you find at Walmart, I was also <laughs> made there. Uh, had to make one there. There. Uh, I also work for this global out- outreach ministry called Good News Productions International. It's based in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, so, I I just really really grateful for this church because I just really want to say thank you for. All the support you have given to us for over 38 years. So, this church has been faithfully supporting us until this day. You have given to GMPI about $95,000. So, you guys are the true heroes behind the scenes, reach people through media and technology through the network of GMPI. So, first of all, I want to say thank you for this congregation for your generosity. Number two, I want to say thank you for Brian and Dave for their trust. For me to for me to stand here to preach this sermon, uh, you know, I, I I I treasure every time I got to stand on stage to speak to people uh, to preach God's word because it has power. Uh, so I just really really grateful that I can speak here and to meet to worship our Lord Jesus with uh, my my family at Highland Park. Even though I'm not here, but I know that we worship the same Father every every Sunday. So. And uh, that's two quick thank yous. I also I also want to uh, make a very special introduction today uh, because I have some very very special people here with me today. Uh, first of all, I want to introduce you to my beautiful fiance Jenny. She's here from uh, San Antonio, Texas, and uh, uh, we are getting married in 62 days. So yes, yes, Hood <laughs> County, yeah. So. Also, there's a family here, uh, very, very special to me. Uh, uh, their names, uh, Sheila and Jayma and Gina, and also uh, their kids, uh, Petra and Creed, they're here too. Uh, I, I mean, Sheila has been such a such an influential person to me. Uh, she is my, definitely my American mom, and their family is just like my own family. So I'm very thankful for, for their being here. Uh, actually, Sheila was the one who sponsor me to come to the States to go to Ozark. So without Sheila's help, I won't be here this morning. So let let them feel welcome too. Thank you. Well, we are uh, in the sermon series called Rescued um, Series, God Saves... And you know, over the past few weeks, if you have been here worshiping, with this family, we know uh, you know that we have been studying the story of Lydia, Thomas, Jesus, and Timothy, and to learn how God saved the listener, the doubter, the fatherless, and the family. so today we are going to actually look through the story of Paul he's definitely one of the, the what, one of my uh, favorite Bible characters and um, so to learn, we're going to learn how God actually saves the hostel. So I, um, you know, we're going to, as I was preparing for this sermon, I tried to select a main passage for us. It was a little bit hard for me. So we're going to jump all over. Uh, but the main, main passage, or I'm going to use is from Acts 7, 8, and 9. So if you keep your Bible there, that will be fine. Uh, let me say a quick prayer too. Lord Jesus, you are amazing. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to worship with my friends and family here at Highland Park this morning. I pray that you will speak through me and the things that you spoke to us that not only to our minds, but also stay in our hearts, Lord. And we love you. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever been asked one question, like if you could meet anybody in the entire history, who would that be? Have you been asked that question? I have been asked that question a lot because um, I was uh, even when you go to a, a new small group, like people want to break the ice, they will ask you that question, and usually when I go to speak at different camps and people get want to get to know me, they will ask me that question too. so I don't know about your answer, but lately i have been uh, I've been talking to some kids and one of them actually told me, if I could meet someone from the history, I want to meet Albert Einstein. I said, why? He said, I will use him for my homework. <laughs> I don't know about your answer, but my answer is definitely going to be the Apostle Paul. I told you he is definitely one of my favorite Bible characters. I, I have been so inspired by a lot of his writings. Um, so, you know, I just... I want to ask him the question like among all the places he traveled in this world which one was which place was his favorite you know did he like the food there among all the churches he actually started or visited which one was which which church he was most proud of i mean which church in his perspective is doing the best back then i would like to ask him well Man, how can you stay so positive, so passionate, so passionate for the Lord, even though you are experiencing so many trails, so many hardships? How can you do that? I just have so many questions to ask him. You know, we all know that no person apart from Jesus himself shaped the history of Christianity like Paul did. He's so influential. I mean, even before he was a believer, his actions were very significant. I want to uh, just, let's just look at his story a little bit. Like three things I want to point out about Apostle Paul. I want to bring to your attention. Maybe you have known him, like you know everything about Paul. But I just want to point at three things I think really uh, that we need to pay attention. Number one, about his background, number one, he was actually born in the city of Tarsus. Actually, he was born in the city of Tarsus, if you don't want. Yep, yep. If you can see the map, Tarsus is right there. It's actually in a Roman uh, province, a glacier. And also, it's in modern-day Turkey. Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about this city. Uh, Tarsus was a very important stop for traders, for a lot of trading, goods trading happening there. And also, it's a focal point for a lot of, like, civilizations. It's a very, very great city. So not only that, I mean, it was a city where all the intellectual people actually gather. You know, we all know that the ancient city Athens is very, very, I mean, a lot of uh, great, great uh, philosophers were from there. But if you live too far away from there, you will go to Tarsus. That's their second choice. So it's a great, great city. Have a lot of great influential people. If you want want to learn about the new uh, philosophical ideas, you want to learn about new things, if you cannot go to uh, Athens, you go to Tarsus. So Paul, our uh, main character from today, actually brought up in that great city. Number two, he was born with Roman citizenship. Roman citizenship. So what was, you, you might ask me, what was so, why that was so valuable? I mean, I did some research. It says, a male Roman citizen enjoyed a wide range of privileges and protections defined in detail by the Roman state. Simply, it means that Paul had some political advantages other people don't have. He might be able to travel to different places that people couldn't go. He can do certain things that other people won't be able to. So he had a special social status. That's Paul. The third thing I want to point out for us is that he was actually born in a traditional Jewish family. That means his parents made sure he knew the Bible really well. As a matter of fact, when he was very young, he was actually sent to Jerusalem to be trained by the the best rabbi rabbi in in his time, that Gamaliel. We all know that, right? I would not be surprised that if Paul was, I mean, his dream was to become the next Gamaliel. I mean, he just wanted, He was very very religious. He was serious, passionate about his faith. So that's um, he was a really good Pharisee. You know, he he knew the Bible really well and truly believed. That this Christian movement, you know, was a dangerous to Judaism. So he believed that. He was so hostile to Christians. He hated them so, so much. you know he 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 wants to protect the Judaism, so that he started actually persecuting Christians. That's our character, Paul. You know, within his own words, the Apostle Paul de- described himself what he once was in First Timothy. Chapter one, verse 13. He writes, "Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance in ignorance and unbelief." So he described himself as a blasphemer and also a persecutor, a very violent man." That's Paul. It was so hostile to Christians, and actually, his job was to put Christians like us into prison, or put 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 people like us to death. He was like a um, just terrorist to Christians. He was serious. You know, we we see we see uh, initially Paul entered a scene. In the book of Acts, I'm going to read for you guys Acts chapter 7 from verse 57 to 58. So that's a story of Stephen was being stoned. So you, if you read that story really quick, you were, talk, you were all focusing on Stephen, how he got stoned. You might miss this part. It says, "...at this they, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices." They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. That was Stephen. Meanwhile, the the witnesses laid their their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We all know that Paul used to have a name, Saul, right? Before he became a Christian, before he encountered Jesus, his name was Saul. So this is our main guy. Actually, he was the one in charge of this whole thing. He approved that the people stoned Stephen. He was the leader. When we continue to read read his story in Acts 8, things got worse. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. That's our guy. Began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 9, Paul got permission to travel to Damascus to capture Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem, put them into prison, and put them to death. We see this in the first two verses. It reads that, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. You know, he thought he was doing the right thing in the name of the Lord. But actually, he was the chief sinner against God. Until one day, something dramatic happened on his way to Damascus. Well, you know what happened, right? He encountered the resurrected christ from verse uh, acts chapter 9 verse 3 to 6 as he neared damascus on his journey suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him saul saul why do you persecute me who are you lord paul asked i'm jesus whom you are persecuting," he replied. "Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do." So that was the dramatic, dramatic event happened that actually changed his life. You know We know that from a persecutor to Christians, he actually became a preacher for Christ. He traveled three times on different missionary journeys around that area to share the hope of Jesus. He was a preacher. He also wrote 13 letters to encourage different churches when they encounter some, some issues at the church. Paul will be the one who wrote the letters to encourage them. So total will have 27 books in the New Testament. So 13 almost makes to... Uh, half of the half of New, New Testament, right? You know, he experienced many, many trials. He experienced so many hardships. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 20, 24 to 27, Paul told us what he experienced. Let I me mean, read this quickly. Five, time, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I slept a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced the danger from ravers and from robbers. I have faced the danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced the danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the sea. And I have faced danger from men who, proclaim, who claim, claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have, been, have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Wow. From a guy who just really hated people who have this Christian faith, and he became a person who is so zealous and experienced so many hardships without complaint, want to share the hope of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Can you imagine that you experienced so many hardships and still so passionate about the Lord? Man, I just have so many respect for Paul. Paul was called... So a life of suffering, and that what, that's exactly what happened. But look what God used him to do. You know, that's what made his story, his testimony, his conversion so powerful. What can we learn from Paul's story? What can we learn from a terrorist became a great, great missionary or a letter writer to the church? What can we learn? I think what impressed me the most is that Paul actually is a walking example of God's grace. He is a walking example of God's grace and what God's grace can do to our lives. You know, I think Paul is the one who helped us that, you know, by God's grace, we have been saved and justified freely by God's grace through the blood and the death of Jesus on the cross. And God's grace is what turned his world upside down. God rescued Paul, who was hostile toward him by the amazing grace of Jesus. I just want to use my sermon this morning to remind all of us three things about God's grace. You know, from Paul's past, we can learn that God's grace actually covers all sins. God's grace covers all sins. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. Paul called himself the chief sinners, you know, and what he was saying here is that if you think you are doing something bad, you know, I have done something way worse. If you think your, your life is pretty messed up, my life is, is even worse. But God came, rescued me. I want to talk, talk about sin a little bit. You know, sins are so tempting. If sin doesn't, uh, tempting that we don't, we're, none of us are going to be struggle. But I, I want to just point out what sin does. Sin separates, separates us. Sin separates us from God, from others, and also ourselves. Sin always promises something that it, it can deliver. Look what happened to Adam and Eve. When Satan tempted them to say, hey, just eat this fruit, that you will become just like God. Sin always promises something it couldn't deliver. The good news is that there are no sins too big that Jesus cannot redeem. If you think you have gone too far, I want to tell you something that I learned from the, the, the camp I was at two weeks ago. It's that there is no one or nothing too far gone that Jesus cannot save. Let me repeat it for you. There's no one or nothing has gone too far that Jesus cannot save. His grace is sufficient for us. One of my favorite preachers, John Weiss, actually, who also went to Ozark, puts it this way. There's more grace in God than sin in people. Uh, My fiance and I lately just closed on the house. And we have been doing some, some work at our house. Uh, the biggest project for us is to tear down the wallpapers and put on the new paint. So we have been working really hard. The hardest part is to, I mean, there's a, the, a whole wall of wallpaper we have to tear off. You know, those, if you have done that, you know it's a tedious job. So, uh, and the, the, uh, the worst thing is that when you peel off the wallpaper, there's some, maybe some parts that the, the original paint will come off. So you have to do some, um, some spackling on there. And after that, you will see some stains on there. One thing I find out, probably one of my favorite things now, is something called kills. I mean, <laughs> that thing is powerful. I, lo- I love that. So... I had been painting kills over that wall. And surprisingly, after painting kills, I couldn't see any of the spots. I think I, if, I, if you allow me to compare God's grace as kills and our sin or our uh, trespasses in the past as all the, the different spots, all the, the things you could see before, after paint the kills God no longer consider our past. God no longer cons- considering our, our sins if you choose to receive his grace. You know, if you found yourself needing the same grace to cover the sins you are struggling with for the first time today, I have good news for you. You know, from according to Acts 2, verse 38, when, this is when Peter was talking to a group of audience, and people asked, so what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's the good news for you. Confess your sins and repent. Ask him for forgiveness. When you choose to receive his grace, God is no longer concerned about our past. You know, God never concerned about Paul's past. He never did. His grace covers our sins. A second point, from Paul's conversion, that we can learn God's grace actually transforms our lives. God's grace transforms our lives. Of all the conversion stories in the Bible, none is greater or more profound than Paul's story. You know, I want to, I want to just, uh, I, when I was reading this, uh, preparing for the sermon, I was reading the scriptures. Uh, I found it something really, really interesting. It's in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 2. So Paul was actually going to Damascus. And what, what would, do you do you remember what was his purpose? Why he needs to go there? He was trying to require a ladder from the high priests to get permission to do more, and to put more people in prison, put more people to death because of their Christian faith. That is, like if you see someone who just enter a career, his career is going up, right? But God used that moment, caught his attention. You know you never know what God will use to grab your attention, and whenever He grabbed your attention, your life direction will change. whatever grabs your attention affects your direction. you know if you think the, the amazing transformation stories like this only happens in the past in the in ancient times, you know I want to show you a testimony which where, which in, inspired me so much and that actually reminded me the story of Paul so much. If you don't mind to play the video.
2: I was born and grew up in Sudan in a very fanatic Islamic family. When I was a boy, my father took me to Quran school and I spent two years at the Quran school memorizing the whole Quran, 114 surah, as big as the New Testament. This time at the Quran school changed my entire life and gave me my identity as a Muslim. I was full of hatred. I was full of um, anger against Jews and Christians and everybody who's not a Muslim. When I was at high school, came a guy who was a classmate. His name was Zakaria. I hated him, and I did not like him. Even though he was very smart, was very nice, and I couldn't figure out that time how an unbeliever could be so nice and so smart. And one day I decided with a friend of mine, to kill him and to persecute him. And we hit him so badly in the wood, in the forest, and we left him between death and life. He never came back to school. That was the encounter that I had with Christians, till one day something else happened in my family. And that was the fact of my uncle, who was a very fanatic Muslim, who became a Christian. And I wanted to help him to come back to Islam, and that's why I wanted to answer the question, who Jesus Christ really is. And while I was seeking to prove Jesus wrong, he met me and changed my life. He met me in a miraculous way. While I was at the hospital, I was accompanying my cousin who was deadly sick. He was in intensive care for four weeks. He couldn't move a leg. He couldn't move anything. And two Christians came and they asked me and they said they want to pray. him. I didn't know that Christians believe in God, and I didn't know that Christians even pray. Even though I hated them, I said to them, they should pray and they should go. I did not want to see them. And they prayed in the name of Jesus, a prayer which I never heard in my entire life. They prayed with compassion for this child, with a certainty, and they believed in God that he would do something. And as soon as they concluded their prayer, this child opened his eyes for the first time in four weeks and jumped out of his bed and he started to walk. And one of those two people, he stayed with me and he spoke to me about the love of Christ. He was the first Christian that ever speaks to me about God, about Jesus, about the God that loves me, the God that became man so that I can go back to God. He shared with me about the grace of God and he shared with me about the power of forgiveness. On that day, I opened my heart to Jesus and I said, Lord, come into my life and change my life. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ did. 2007, I was in Egypt and there I met a Sudanese pastor and while I was talking to him, he said to me, do you know who am I? I told him, I have no idea who you are. And then he looked me straight into the eye, and he said to me, I am Zachariah. This was this Klaassen mate. I met him after 25 years. The last time I have seen him was in this dark night when I almost killed him. And Zachariah looked me straight into the eye, and he said to me, sir. because you hated me so much, I always prayed for you. He pulled out his Bible. And in the first page in his Bible, he wrote my name, and he was praying for me. In 2007, I realized why God would deal with somebody like me because of someone like Zachariah who prayed for me. I persecuted him, he prayed for me. I hated him, he prayed for me. And this is the best thing that we could do for people that we really don't love and don't like, to pray for them and to bring them before the throne of Christ. I'm very thankful to have met a God who said to me, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. His
1: name is Yasir. He's actually doing some amazing things in the country of Germany. He's doing uh, convert people from Muslim to Christianity. Yeah. I'm just, I have always been so, so encouraged by his testimony and to see how God transformed someone like him. You know, uh, I want to share with you a, a quote I found from Matt Chandler. He said, Without a heart transformed by the grace of Christ... We just continue to manage external and internal darkness. The third thing I want us to notice from Paul's ministry, we realize God's grace actually reaches all people. God's grace reaches all people. In summary of the, the passage of Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10, is that we are saved from sin by grace through faith sorry, through faith to do, to do good works. One time someone asked Billy Graham, what is the difference between other religions and Christianity? And he said, well, they spell different. And that guy was <laughs> very confused, and Billy, Billy Graham said, well, you know, other, other religions all spell like D-O, Only Christianity is spelled like D-O-N-E. So that's the difference between other religions and Christianity. I just want to ask us this question. You know, we have all received the gift of God's grace. Are we extending the grace that we have received from God to other people? I mean, we all remember when we were on the other side the other end, we were requesting, we were needing, in need of God's grace for us. I think it's, now is our time to extend this kind of grace to other people. I believe that in your life, in my life, there are people right now is in need of that kind of, that kind of grace. You know, would you mind to pray for them? Would you mind praying for them? You know, like people have, Zechariah prayed for a Even though they were so hostile to your faith, would you mind praying for them? Would you mind telling them that God's grace is also available for them? Just like it was available for you. My last scripture I want to quote today is Hebrews twelve fifteen says, See to it that no one fell short of the grace of God. And that no bitter roots grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So it's up to you. It's up to me. To be, gracious, to be gracious to other people. But more importantly, it's our job to let other people know this grace is also available for them. You know, we need to let people know God's grace is available for everyone. And it covers all sins in the past. It transforms all lives for a hopeful future, just like, they, just like Jesus did for, for me, for you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for um, just uh, remind us from Paul's story, Father. I pray that you will uh, use what we have learned that led us to make a change around us, Lord. Just use us to extend your grace to other people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.